0: ESPN Radio.
1: We're still waiting for the dominoes to fall for the NFL season this offseason. This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Teron Davenport on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at Amber W790 at T Davenport underscore NFL. You can join the conversation on the call in line. 1888 say ESPN. That's triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. ESPN radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could say big when you bundle your auto home motorcycle RV or boat. Visit progressive.com. So we are waiting for dominoes to fall before we have any idea what the landscape is going to look like for next NFL season. Those dominoes primarily. Aaron Rodgers, domino number one, right? He's got to be the first domino to fall so that we know where everybody else is going to end up, Teron. And then domino number two, I would say mm, Russell Wilson maybe because he has certainly entered this conversation removing the Seattle Seahawks from his Twitter profile. We've those, Those breaks with him and the Seahawks front office and coaching staff, those rumors have been out there for a really long time, for a couple of years now. He kind of always makes nice, but it appears that maybe he's not making so nice right now at least not this week seemed like he was pretty nice at the Pro Bowl when he was saying all the right things but nevertheless so those two dominoes need to fall and then there's a whole lot of other dominoes that potentially could fall even like the Kirk Cousins of the world right but We first start with Aaron Rodgers, a reigning MVP, uh, back-to-back MVPs, a four-time MVP in Aaron Rodgers, but a 37-year-old quarterback who Diana Rossini is now reporting wants to be the highest-paid player in the NFL, something like upwards of $50 million. On the other hand, you have Russell Wilson, not the caliber of quarterback, maybe that Aaron Rodgers currently is. Things have been a bit of a, me- of a mess in Seattle, but everybody still thinks of Russell Wilson as a very good quarterback and maybe a quarterback that will look a lot better with a change of scenery. And he is a quarterback who is much, much younger than Aaron Rodgers. So if I'm giving you the choice between Rodgers or Wilson and you own the Tennessee Titans to Davenport, which is the team you cover for ESPN NFL Nation, I'm sure that like they pay you just like almost enough to buy that team right so if you were to actually get a pay raise here and you were able to buy the Tennessee Titans who do you want at the helm Wilson or Rogers
0: yeah I think it really depends on the approach that you're taking to your your franchise right if you want to go about things like the the you only live once the the Yolo Rams did this year then obviously Aaron Rodgers is the choice that you make and it really comes down to at what cost are, are you willing to to win a Super Bowl and for me, if if I was in this situation, I would go out and get Aaron Rodgers if I had to take one or the two, just because you you look at everything that's going on as far as this team needing. If, if you put Aaron Rodgers on 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 the Titans, they immediately become, in my opinion, the favorite, not only a contender, but they become the favorite because when you have that rushing attack behind him, you have guys like Julio Jones, who is not the same Julio Jones, but more importantly, you got guys like. A.J. Brown. Now all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers gets put into that mix and this offense really takes off. So it does a whole lot for the the offense itself. And then also you look at what you want to do. You, you want to be able to, to uh, get a new stadium eventually. And, and what better way to get that momentum towards that than being a Super Bowl champion. Now how long of a window, how big of a window does Aaron Rodgers present for you? I mean you had Tom Brady who who played till he was in his 40s. Right, so uh, I'm not saying
1: it doesn't necessarily matter if you're winning a Super Bowl like Tom Brady out of the gate, right?
0: Right, exactly, and but it does matter in that. Okay, you win that Super Bowl, you don't want to be a shell of yourself as you're trying to continue that momentum towards getting that new stadium built. You want to still be competitive and in the mix, at least a playoff team. And I think that's where the age thing with Aaron Rodgers comes into play. I I feel that he could play another two or three years if if he chose to. You look at what he did this past year. He played outstanding football, and he looked like Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't a different type of player than what we're used to. So for me, it would be Aaron Rodgers, put all the chips on the table, go out and win, and there's much more at at stake than than just a Super Bowl. So I think that will kind of like be able to cement the Titans as one of the premier teams. You know the premier franchises that is in, in the league now. Honestly, Russell Wilson, I feel, would make them a contender as well. I wouldn't necessarily um, say it. Your chances of winning the Super Bowl are as, as great as they would be with Aaron Rodgers. But Russell Wilson, to me, in essence, he he's an upgraded game manager. You know, a guy that you can you could ask him to win games for you. You're not probably going to ask him to do that consistently but you're going to ask him to manage the game for the most part. And that's basically what they have with Ryan Tannehill as far as managing the game. But the big difference that it would have to be is not turning the football over. And we saw what happened in that Bengals game. Three turnovers uncalled for. I've never, ever in my life seen a stadium become as deflated with one play as I did when Ryan Tannehill threw that interception on the very first offensive play from scrimmage. It was was ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I'm familiar with his work covering Miami (laughs) Dolphins and being a Miami Dolphins fan uh, for as long as he was down in Miami. Uh, And and you're right. Listen, he's kind of a game manager quarterback. And when Ryan Tannehill has the right pieces around him, which before all the injuries to the Titans this season, he Uh looked so great in Tennessee because he had the right pieces around him. But – uh, with all the injuries I mean even AJ Brown was out significant period of time yep. this season and Julio Jones we know it wasn't able to pan out to be what we thought maybe he'd be able to be there and I mean it was just injury after injury and then of course uh, you know missing the all the help that he had in the backfield um, with a really key piece there so When you're talking about the Tennessee Titans being in a situation where they're only firing on a half cylinders, then, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, you're going to need more than him if they're fully healthy. Maybe Ryan Tannehill's enough, and so maybe if you're the Titans, you're not so quick to make that change, particularly, like you said, to a Russell Wilson that isn't maybe the upgrade that you're so sure about. I think we all probably will think Russell Wilson's a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill, but with Aaron Rodgers, it's like a slam dunk like Aaron Rodgers you put him on the Tennessee Titans to me they're winning a Super Bowl so if I'm the Titans if that's a possibility that's something I'm willing to work out whereas if you, whereas if you put Russell Wilson on the Tennessee Titans sure like it might be the better play if we're talking about you know future longevity whatever I just don't know if it's going to get you a Super Bowl and isn't that what we're doing here
0: right exactly and, and that's that's the goal and the thing that's just so interesting about that is you look at those three quarterbacks Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Tannehill Aaron Rodgers is the guy that, in my opinion, can single-handedly make other players, all of the other players, better. You know, you, you look—I, uh, AJ Brown would, would become a much better player with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. Why? Because when the stuff hits the fan, it's not going to be Khalif Raymond or Nick Westbrook and Kenny that Rodgers is going to. He's going to go to AJ Brown. You look at mm-hmm. with Devontae Adams. I mean, they—they they don't have to talk. They see a certain look, they look at each other, it's unspoken, and the ball is going his direction. And I think that's the type of uh, dedication and and just uh, bullish attitude that you have to have as a quarterback when you have a premier receiver. And that, unfortunately, is kind of like a gift and a curse for Ryan Tannehill because he prides himself on always going to the open guy, and I get that. That's what you're supposed to do. But when situations are dire, you got to go to your guy – that you know is the horse for you that will come through and, and make the play, and those are the things that I'm I'm talking about with Tannehill. Coincidentally, the Khalif Raymond target in 2020, uh, the the Nick westbrook kinney target in 2021, both of those ended the season on interceptions, and on both of those, you know, you had other guys open, and I I think AJ Brown was one of them in 2020. So it's just a lot that that goes to the quarterback position, and if you're going to spend a good portion of that salary cap on the quarterback, he better make other players better. You shouldn't have to say, hey, we got to be great around. No, if that's the case, you're then that, that cap number Hill. needs to be lowered and, and that percentage of the salary cap has to be uh, much more palatable than it is uh, with, with the $38.6 million.
1: Yeah, I I mean, the reason I pose the question to Turan isn't obviously in part because, of course, he covers the Tennessee Titans, but also because I think the Titans are an interesting team when you're talking about a decision at the quarterback because... They already have one who obviously can do some winning with them. But the way that they're currently structured, you feel like they have enough that if they got that next level of quarterback, they could actually win a Super Bowl. And you're not so sure if they can do that as currently situated. So an interesting team, an interesting conversation. In truth, when we're talking about the quarterback carousel in the NFL, it's often a lot more talk than it is actually moves. And that's despite what happened with Tom Brady and Matt Stafford. Like Those moves end up being more unusual a lot of the times we spend a lot of talk and then Aaron Rodgers ends up staying in Green Bay (laughs) and Russell Wilson ends up staying in Seattle and that's very very likely to happen because I keep saying that I don't think Aaron Rodgers has a better chance of winning a Super Bowl anywhere else and then even with Russell Wilson I mean they have a huge if he gets traded they have like a 26 million dead cap charge if they trade away Russell Wilson and the NFC West suddenly looks much more winnable than it used to especially with everything that's happened there with the Cardinals so it's but easily possible, Duron, that we're talking about all this, and at the end of the day, no dominoes fall. Everybody stays where they are.
0: Yeah, I, that's entirely possible. i tell you one domino that's really interesting that has a lot of development to, to go through, and that's the uh, Sean Watson ordeal. Now, we don't have to get into details or anything like that, but you know, that's another domino that's really interesting, and he's just kind of like sitting in limbo.
1: Well, and another domino because you're talking about a top five quarterback in the NFL, at least the last time we saw him. In his mid-20s, and of course, we're not spending a ton of time talking about it because there's so much that goes into that conversation because there's so many question marks still when it comes to that situation. But you're absolutely right. He's one of those dominoes when we're talking about the dominoes of quarterbacks this NFL offseason. Who is under the most pressure to deliver in the second half of the NBA season? That's next. This is ESPN Radio.
0: ESPN Radio. The
1: NBA season uh, goes into the second half here and things heat up, particularly for the teams that have... Traded away some key players, gotten some key players in return, and maybe most notably the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. The East looks quite different than we expected it to look, Teron, but so does the West because the Lakers are terrible. I don't know if we necessarily would have predicted all the dysfunction out in Los Angeles. Now we're even having to have conversations on ESPN radio about whether you should trade away LeBron James. So that's how you know that things have really hit a new low in Laker land. And so the NBA right now looks quite different than we all expected it to look at the beginning of the season. I think that's fun. Definitely provides more parity and makes it completely unpredictable. But now we're at the second half of the season. So who has the most pressure here? Is it a Rob Palenka with the Los Angeles Lakers? Or is it a James Harden who makes his debut tonight for the 76ers or just a team generally? It could be team, player, front office. Give it to me. Who do you think has the most pressure in the NBA right now?
0: Oh, I'm going to give it to you straight, and it's easy. It's James Harden, right, because he's finally in a situation that he whined his way out of twice, right, because he wanted to go to Philly from Houston. It didn't happen. He wanted to go to Philly from Brooklyn. It has now happened. So when you look at this Sixers team, they've been competitive. They've been a a, a top seed. You know, uh, they – are really good right now. So really this move was made to put them over the top and all things are pretty much the same outside of James Harden being added to the team. Obviously, you know, that took the subtraction of of, of Ben Simmons, but it is all on James Harden. He has to show that he's going to be able to, to mesh with uh, Joel Embiid. He has to show that he's going to be able to see the top dog, title to Joel Embiid he has to show that he's going to give that effort because I tell you one thing Amber I don't know if you're familiar with the Philly market but if you go out there and you don't provide maximum effort yeah (laughs) they're going to jump on you and they're going to jump on you really bad so I think that pressure is on Harden obviously he's not an an all NBA defender but you got to at least try that that old you know stepping to the side and just trying to smack the ball out kind of thing as as the point guard or whoever it is that your guard and gets by you that's not going to fly in Philly and they will jump on him quickly if he doesn't go out there show the effort and provide the results that that they are expecting and uh that's one city that you can't be uh thin skinned and 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 play there so and, and and not be successful so that's to me why the the pressure is on uh, uh, James Harden because you know you talk about the trust the process mindset well you just took a big part of that process out because one of the the things that they lost a lot of games for was to get that number one pick and pick Ben Simmons so that that's been removed and now you're a big part of the process supposedly coming together so James Harden the pressure's on you.
1: The pressures on James Harden, I think, even if he was not in the Philly market, just because of the way that his NBA career has gone. I mean, you're talking about you talked about the two times he forces himself his way out. I mean, he's been traded three times in his NBA career, and we're talking about a dude who was a top ten player in the league yeah. and is still in his prime. It's pretty remarkable when you look at it that way. Like no, like franchises franchises don't trade away players in their prime like this, and and he's been traded and traded and traded again, and and in large part because of the way that he forces these trades, and he does force these teams and he gets incredibly salty when he isn't happy where he is and he does the things that he needs to do whether it's putting on the fat suit or whether it's maybe milking a hammy that's a little extra tight when you don't like the city that you're playing in or the uniform that you're playing in as much and so now he's where he says that he wants to be and so you have the expectations from that as well so a lot of it has to do with just kind of how things have gone for James Harden's also because of where he's at this point in his career I mentioned that he's in his prime but like it did seem like he lost his step there in Brooklyn so I think he's got something to prove on that front as well when we're talking about a former MVP in that caliber of player so I think that there's that as well and then like you said when you're coming into that situation you're coming into a situation with Joel Embiid playing at an MVP caliber level and who's probably going to win the MVP this season if it keeps up you're coming into a very good situation in terms of where they are in their standings in the East despite it being a disaster with the Ben Simmons situation and him not having the number one pick or former number one pick available to him all season because of what happened there off the court with Ben Simmons and so he walks into a good situation with the 76ers but when you're walking into a good situation and you're playing alongside a guy having that kind of season in Joel Embiid then absolutely the expectations are going to be incredibly high and I, I agree with you I think higher than any for anybody else in the NBA like I think the expectations for Rob blink are going to be really high in the offseason if he's still in that Position with that job, if if LeBron has anything to say about it, maybe he won't be. But I think that the that the Heat will ramp, you know amp up then. But right now, like there's nothing he can do. The trade deadline has already passed. I. I- think KD gets a bit of a pass because of all the drama and everything that's gone down with Kyrie only being available half you know part-time and then also with obviously what happened there with James Harden and now they have to bring Ben Simmons into the mix so it feels like to me that the expectations this season now fall squarely on the shoulders of James Harden it's the situation that he put himself in we'll see how he rises to the challenge the NBA is on ESPN radio tune in tomorrow night as Giannis and the Bucks host Kyrie and the Nets presented by indeed coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations coming up is moving on from LeBron James really what's best for the Lakers I mentioned it there that's next this is ESPN radio afternoons with Amber Wilson and Tron Davenport
0: ESPN radio did you hear what he said, I will play with my son anywhere? LeBron James last year in the NBA will be playing with his son. That's going to be a circus for whoever drafts his son. It oh, cool. also may be a power move to get his son drafted earlier than he probably will oh. be drafted. That will be the most watched draft. And that dude, as a hooper, he wouldn't be a first-round pick. The market is open, people.
1: I mentioned that it's not Rob Polinka who necessarily has the most pressure right now. I do think he's about to have a whole lot of pressure on him if he's not already feeling it this off season. This is ESPN Radio Afternoons. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Teron Davenport. So the Los Angeles Lakers have been a complete mess this season. And LeBron has certainly piled on the pressure with a lot of low key sub-tweeting kind of comments, sub pressuring, sub-Instagramming. It's what all the kids do these days, Teron. And LeBron is excellent at it. And he's been doing it, whether it's crediting Les Need, calling him a legend when Les Need wore the bleep draft picks t-shirt at the Rams victory rally whether it's uh, piling on a little too much praise to gms who you know are on, not on your team or you know coaches like in january when he did it with spo who are not coaching for your team and so lebron has been sending a lot of messages and it seemed like him and polinka despite the fact that polinka said they were on the same page before the trade deadline in terms of the lakers not making any moves it seems like that ain't the case. And then we heard that clutch sports is not happy with Palenka. And then the report came out that that's actually not true. And all of these breadcrumbs lead back to LeBron not being so happy with the Los Angeles Lakers front office. So now uh Bill Plaschke has an article in the LA times that I thought was really interesting to Ron that came out yesterday where he argues because of everything I just mentioned the Lakers must trade. LeBron James. And he said it sounds like a hot take, but it's actually not a hot take. He said it's the best chance that they have at getting the fastest start to an inevitable rebuild that he feels like is coming. This is interesting to me because there's been a lot of talk obviously about trying to move Westbrook. That didn't happen before the trade deadline. I don't know if the Lakers were totally unwilling of attaching that 2027 pick. I think they'll probably have to maybe attach 27 and 29 uh, first rounders there, but but either way, uh, moving Westbrook is no easy task because he's owed $47 million, I think, next season, and nobody wants that contract with how he's been playing. And then there's a lot of conversation about trading away AD. You would still certainly get a lot of value for AD, but there's question marks with AD because of uh, all of his injury status, and he's not always available to you, so that certainly hampers some of what you could get in return. Well, I don't know. Is there a ceiling for what you could get in return for LeBron James? He's 37 years old, but but, you know, he happens to have been the greatest player of his generation and is still playing at, like, a 35-point caliber. So should the Lakers trade LeBron James?
0: Absolutely not. I think if you peel it back to before the season started, right, R- Russell Westbrook was the player they, they acquired, and that was supposed to put him over the edge, give him the big three. Imagine if they would have gotten DeMar DeRozan instead. Right, which was a move that LeBron James declined. He turned down. He didn't want. He wanted Westbrook instead. But imagine if they would have gotten DeRozan. Now this conversation is completely different. So I say all that to say it's not like this Lakers team is completely way off from being able to to be a contender. They just won the chip a couple of years ago. So you know I think we do have to remember that. And as you mentioned, LeBron is still in his prime. When healthy, AD is is a very good player. So I, I think rather than blow things up, and it's just so off brand with the Lakers. This is a team that you know has always been the one that goes out and gets the big name player, not gets rid of the big name player. So that's something else to factor in. It just wouldn't make sense for me to to do that because okay. Yeah, LeBron is in his prime. Or not in his prime, but LeBron is still an awesome player. What are you going to get in return, and is that going to be enough for you to build a franchise around? That's a, a question that you have to ask, and I don't think you, if you take LeBron off of there, Anthony Davis is not a guy that you could build around because he is aging. The injuries are, are, are what they are. So long story short, no. It, it will be completely off-brand to trade him, and it's not something I would even approach.
1: Anthony Davis just isn't durable enough to build a team around, like as great as he can be. He's just not going to be available to you the entire season. You just cannot possibly rely on him in terms of building an entire team around him. And I think even with Los Angeles, LeBron's plan was, hey, I I pair up with AD. He's such an incredible player. And then I'll be able to age gracefully. Uh, AD will become the number one. I'll kind of become the number two as I continue to age here. And no one will really notice because AD will be able to take over the helm. And that hasn't happened at all because ad can't stay on the court and now we're at a point in lebron's career was as incredible as he's still playing like he also can't fully stay on the court which i mean it's completely reasonable considering how many miles he has on his body and that we're talking about him now in his late 30s But he's not going to be available to you every night either. The injuries are there for LeBron in a way that they Mm. never were earlier in his career. Russell Westbrook has been a complete disaster, but you can't move a guy there's no market for right now because he's incredibly overpaid and he's been a mess. You'd have to, like I said, I think attach multiple picks, but it seems like the Lakers were unwilling to even attach a pick to his contract to get rid of it. And I think that's where some of the frustration from James comes from. When you have LeBron James on your team, though, you are in a win now type of scenario. And obviously they did that with one championship. This is your window though. And you either need to blow the whole thing up or you need to build it so that he can win. And and by bringing in proven pieces and you can only bring in other pieces by getting rid of some of the current pieces you have, you can't move Westbrook. It leaves you trying to move AD, in my opinion. Obviously, there's still a big market for AD because he's such a great player. But can AD get you enough in return to replace his absence and some? Which is essentially what you're asking for here. Like, hey, I would trade away AD and I'd get enough back and then some in order for James to be able to win another championship. If I'm the Lakers because you're in a scenario with the greatest player of his generation, everyone calm down, I'm not saying of all time, but of his generation, certainly. I don't think any of us would argue that. Then, Or hopefully not if you want to at me, at AmberW790. But hopefully (laughs) you're not arguing that. And I would say that if you're in that situation with LeBron and he's on your roster, then what you do is you mortgage the future more than you've already mortgaged it, which you've already pretty much mortgaged the feature of you're the Lakers. So like, why not? Let's just go all in and go all the way. You get rid of both draft picks. You trade those away for pieces. You trade away AD for pieces. I I don't know what you're going to be able to do with Westbrook, but you do what you can to bring in the help that LeBron needs to win. Now blowing the entire thing up and trading away LeBron, I think only happens. First of all, he's got a no trade clause. So the only scenario that happens is if LeBron wants it to happen. That's
0: it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I just, I think this team is closer to being good than they are to at the point where they need to rebuild. And just as long as you have 23, you know, as long as you have LeBron in the locker room, I, I think you have a shot. And I, that's really the, the approach that you have to have. Now, if he were to say, hey, look, man, I'm going to give you one more year and and, and that's it. Then, okay, yeah, you you look at trying to accelerate the rebuilding process and and get something in return. But that's only if that were the case. And we know that he wants to to keep playing, you know. So I I think they will be better off. Uh, The Lakers are a team, like I said, that acquires premier players, not gets rid of them.
1: Now, Bill Plaschke says in his article they don't have enough draft assets or financial flexibility to undo the roster nightmare created by James himself, who has been a terrific player and a terrible GM. And I do kind of agree with him there. It's interesting Mm -hmm. because – LeBron, It's been like a little pointing finger fest between LeBron and Palenka, it seems like, but it seems like frankly, they're both somewhat responsible for the situation. The Lakers find themselves in because these pieces aren't working. And yes, right now they're up against it. But I do think in the off season that there's things that could be done. If you trade away LeBron, it's going to be because LeBron wants it. And man, if you're the Lakers, you better get a whole lot in return for that. Jumpstart the new year with body armor, light the low calorie sports drink, hydrating, your active lifestyle shop now at retailers nationwide more bad news for the New York Knicks just another day in the NBA plus an NBA superstars pockets just got $25,000 lighter three and outs next here on ESPN radio afternoons
0: ESPN radio
1: we're coming down the stretch here on ESPN radio afternoons with Amber Wilson and Teron Davenport ESPN radio is presented to you by progressive insurance we have a poll at ESPN radio on Twitter. We've been asking you all show long as the second half of the NBA season tips off. Who is the team to beat in the East? Your options were the Nets, the Sixers, the Bucks, or another team. And the winner in the clubhouse, Tron, is the Milwaukee Bucks. So although you and I discussed earlier in the show, the Bucks aren't necessarily getting the love in terms of attention because that seems to be stolen this season by the Nets and the Sixers, some good, some bad. The Milwaukee Bucks are getting the attention in terms of at least our polling, where they're still the team that fans think that they're the team to beat in the East.
0: Yeah, and rightfully so. It shows our listeners know what the deal is. So shout out to the listeners for that one. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't vote other, right, and put your, your Miami Heat in there.
1: I kept it real. I actually voted Bucks because I do think that the defending champs deserve that kind of credit. Also, because I don't want to jinx my heat. However, I do think the Heat are a team that people are sleeping on. I'm going to let them continue to sleep, though, because I think that's when the Heat are at their best. So that was our weekend preview poll. This weekend preview is brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico today and see all the ways that you could save. Our thanks goes out to Michael Lee of the Washington Post for joining us earlier in the show. Mike Tannenbaum, obviously our ESPN NFL front office insider, he joined us earlier in the show as well. And now it's time to go three and out.
0: Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is... Three and out.
1: So I start here, Teron, with some breaking news. Adam Schefter is reporting that Sean McVay told ESPN today that he is not pursuing any television opportunities and that he is committed to helping the Rams defend their Super Bowl title. Frankly, I thought this was information we already had because I thought his fiance already put that out on the gram. So I thought we already kind of knew that he was trying to run it back. But now it's official. He is apparently trying to run it back. And this is a very real story when it comes to that TV money that's uh, reportedly being thrown around out there where these guys can now go make tens of millions of dollars for better hours and a lot less stress than probably coaching is. But, of course, you can't win a Super Bowl when you're on TV.
0: Yeah. That's At least bad. not in that capacity. Tony Romo kind of reset the, the, the whole bar for uh, sportscasters. So uh, maybe we should get into a different business, you know, and, and start making multi-ten, tens of millions of dollars ourselves. But I think it's the right decision. Uh, McVay's a young coach still, you know, the youngest coach to win a Super Bowl, and he's still in a pretty good situation there with, with the Rams. So why not come back and, and defend your chip?
1: he absolutely is going to run it back and we're absolutely going to have the same conversation next year and the next year and the next year and the next year forever long Sean McVay feels like coaching because Sean McVay at 36 years old is going to have a market in television as an analyst or color analyst or whatever for a very, very long time. So I have a feeling that you and I are going to have this conversation again about Sean McVay and again about Sean McVay until one day he actually decides to make that jump to TV. But I agree with you. There's no real reason to do it now this is your time when you're still young to give coaching everything you've got if you've still got the passion for it the second that passion fades sure go to television find a new passion and a new type of challenge and get paid either way New York Knicks, Derrick Rose. Now, he was supposed to come back. Wasn't he supposed to, Shannon, our producer, wasn't he supposed to save your New York Knicks? I thought there was something about that that was supposed to happen this season. Hmm. And now mm, he's having a minor ankle surgery and his timeline to return is not set. And we're kind of back where we always are with Derrick Rose, Teron Davenport.
0: Would you expect nothing less when you're talking about the New York Knickerbockers? Would you not I mean, that's just the the way it is for that team. It is. I don't know what deal they made with the devil or or what happened, but because it didn't produce any championships, but they just seem to be a cursed franchise. And this is just your latest example.
1: Yes, this is your latest example. And so Derrick Rose is not going to be providing the New York Knicks help at least not right now, and maybe not anytime soon. Minor ankle procedure, but it's Derrick Rose we're talking about. I think you're always concerned when you hear about any ankle procedure. The New York Knicks at 25-34. and 34, They are taking on my Miami Heat tonight. Just is about 30 minutes after we hop off air here. And the Heat, we had talked about being second in the East right now. They're sitting at 38-21 and 21 on the season. Like I said, I'm going to keep people sleeping on them, Teron. But Jimmy Butler, he's in the headlines for a different reason. He was fined $25,000 for violating media access rules during the NBA All-Star Weekend. Big deal or not a big deal?
0: I don't care (laughs) what status you are. That's a lot of money. You know, so it is a big deal, uh, in in my opinion. And, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even understand, like, why why not go ahead and speak to the media after something like the All-Star Game? Uh, It's just, it's... I don't know. That's carelessness unless unless he had an issue. So I'm not going to call it carelessness not knowing the situation because you never know what a guy has going on. But they're gone, man. Why I mean, Jimmy speak to the media?
1: I will say Jimmy's good to the local media in Miami. I mean, maybe okay. he just didn't feel like it. Like it was their all-star weekend. I think apparently he had like several violations. I don't know, including one that was like Teron said he didn't talk to them, I guess, when he was supposed to after the all-star game. Nobody cares. Whatever. Take take your time, Jimmy. Do your thing. But now you're going to have to pay, unfortunately. Russell Wilson, he removed the Seattle Seahawks from his Twitter profile. Tehran. do you make this a big deal?
0: Hey, like you said, that's, that's how the kids communicate nowadays. So I think it is a big deal. It's a calculated and purposeful uh, move, and it, it's a big deal. And we'll just see how the quarterback world, how that cookie continues to crumble.
1: I, I guess it's a big deal because it's 2022 and this is how we follow the tea leaves okay. in 2022 is that apparently uh, this will lead us to think Russell Wilson's departing the Seahawks, even though, frankly, we're no closer to knowing what's happening this offseason with the Seattle Seahawks than we were when he had the Seattle Seahawks in his Twitter profile. But this is what we do here at ESPN Radio. Also, what we do here at ESPN Radio is Spain and Fitz. They are coming up next. This has been ESPN Radio Afternoons with Amber Wilson and Teron Davenport.